Well, hi, and welcome to a Pitch Towards Holiness podcast. I'm Michael Kidwell. And I'm Mike Kidwell. So it's been a while since we've recorded and done a podcast, and we do apologize. Um, A lot has been going on. We've had some technical difficulties. We've had some life challenges, but we are back. Yes, we're we're back. So we actually recorded a podcast um, almost a month ago talking about um, a certain topic. And um, when we went to post it, um, some things happened with the computer and and we lost all the the data for that podcast. So here we are again with um, the same message. Um, We worked through some adversities and we hope to be back in doing podcasts weekly now. So Welcome in, get your Bibles, and let's talk about capacity. So, Michael, tell me a little bit about, you know, the then and now of baseball. You know, baseball, whenever it first started, they barely had many bleachers at all, and then kind of talk about where it is now and how it's kind of increased over the years um, so capacity and attendance could increase. Yeah, yeah, so... um. It used to be where stadiums were like the size of what we would call a college or high school stadium now. They would seat maybe around 100,000 to 200,000. And then you, it would get capped off, and that was about as much as they can hold. Mm-hmm. But now with it, um, technology being more advanced, um, having more area to build on. Um, stadiums have gone anywhere from 300 plus to 400 plus. So, I mean, you're you're getting almost uh, 100,000 more than what you used to. Yeah. Well, and, you know, owners and, and cities have built bigger stadiums over the, over the course of the year so they could have larger capacity of crowds, um, get more fan support, get people um, cheering for the team. And so it, it sells sells more tickets. It sells more shirts. It gets people really involved, gets families involved, and it expands the capacity um, of each and every uh, stadium out there. So you, you look at even little league fields, you know, you, you have a couple bleachers for parents to watch their kids play. And um, I really don't think that capacity is going to expand into a stadium. Right, I hope right. not. I hope it stays simple. But you look at how many people can watch a game like that, but then how many people can watch a game like the Houston Astros, which is our hometown favorites and um, current worldly World Series champions. So – they can hold about forty seven thousand, I think forty seven to forty eight thousand in their in their um stadium. And then a little league field, you could probably, you know, maybe if both bleachers were full and all the parents brought lawn chairs that couldn't fit, you maybe have a hundred parents watching. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe. So there's a huge difference in capacity, um, but there's also a, a huge difference in the product on the field and a, a huge difference in why people are watching the game. You know, they're watching little league games for the support of their kids. And um, most people are going to major league sports for entertainment and enjoyment. 
um, as a, as a family fun thing to do. So, um, as we look at capacity, Michael, I don't know if you can look up or not, but we, we can see, um, which baseball stadiums hold the most as far as attendance. And maybe we could see, um, what their former, um, stadium or ballpark, whatever they had held and, and really dive into the big differences because today, as we talk about capacity, it's going to be important that we understand why um, people in baseball and people in life need to expand capacity. So, um, Michael, what did you find there? So the Oakland Coliseum is um, what is listed as the highest capacity ball field. And at most, they can hold 56,782 people. Wow. And then the next um, after that is Dodger Stadium, and they can hold about 56,000 even. Wow. So, I mean, Oakland Coliseum at its peak can hold 700 more people than the second in line, which is Dodger Stadium. Wow, that's a lot of people um, in the Oakland Coliseum. Because of its capacity, um, it's really not the most fan-friendly because – you know, if you're sitting up at the very top, you're pretty far away from the action. Right. Um, because the bigger the capacity of the stadium, the further away you are from um, the action a lot of times, in, unless the ballpark's built, like, right on top of the field, which a lot of the new structures are. So, But the, the thing with the Oakland Coliseum is because it, um, it used to be a dual-purpose stadium, um, the the foul ground for that stadium is so spread out. And so even if you bought like in a really expensive seat down like the first baseline or the third baseline, you're still pretty far away from the game yeah. because of how spread out their foul territory is. Well, that and it was had dual purposes whenever it was first built um, for football and baseball. So, you know, being football usually is um, takes the, the central focus in a lot of times when they're building stuff, um, baseball starting to make a resurgence, but usually football, whenever you're talking about building stadiums, gets more attention, more money. And because it was a dual purpose place when it was first built, um, they had more attention to how fan friendly it would be for football watchers more than baseball watchers. And so there's a lot of foul territory, like Michael said, and there's a lot of things that put you away from the action because um, it has a dual roles of football and baseball field. Right. And I mean, Dodger Stadium, I believe, was built. Um, don't quote me, but I think it was built in the early 1800s, right? I, I don't know when it, it was. It's been a while. I don't think it, it was the 1800s, but it's been a while. It, it's it's definitely one of the older stadiums in baseball. And I mean, for it still to be one of the biggest capacity stadiums is um crazy because of where it's located in the middle of um in the middle of the desert in cala and cali and so i mean it's a beautiful location that it's in and it's prime in downtown so i mean you you have the area and all that secured but the fact that it can hold that many people 
it is crazy because of how early on it was built. Yeah. Uh, so Dodger Stadium was opened in 1962. It was ah, 1962. constructed in less than three years and it cost $23 million to build. And that wow, was, that's a lot of money back then. That was a lot of money back then. So it's the oldest ballpark in major leagues right now. Um, no, west, second to second to Fenway, west of the Mississippi. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. And then. third oldest overall after Fenway in Boston and Wrigley Field in Chicago. Fenway in Boston was built in 1912. Wow. And Wrigley in Chicago was built in 1914. Wow. So Fenway's the oldest ball field still used, and um, Wrigley's the second, and then you have Dodger Stadium. So those three are still active, but um. Dodger Stadium over there in the Chavez Ravine and in California um, has been added on to and so have the other two many times since its inception. So it's not um, currently what it was. And, of course, they did reconstruction over the years. Um, It looks like 13 different reconstructions on Dodger Stadium since 1962, all with the designation of increasing capacity. And I mean, if if you want to bring it home, the Astros did the same thing here recently. Yeah, um, got rid of Tails Hill. Yeah, got rid of Tails Hill, and they put that um, concourse in center field that added quite a bit of standing room. Yeah, um, and then they they added some um, club seats up in right field and added some more things in center field. So I mean. They're they're expanding their capacity. Well, I mean, you would expect them to with winning two two World Series in uh just was it five years. Five years, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I mean, people are going to come out to watch, you know. And they have been, um, and they're becoming a, a big brand and and within major leagues because of their winning ways. So, but we we know and we understand why major league baseball teams um look to expand their capacity, um. They're looking to expand their reach within their fan demographic, and they're looking to um, expand their capacity of what they can hold so they can sell more tickets and build a bigger brand. So we, we see that in, in baseball, but we want to kind of look at that in the spiritual today. And so we're going to take a, a little bit of a dive into Luke 5. So if you did get your Bibles out, go ahead and turn to Luke 5, and I'm going to read... In Luke 5, and um, Luke 5 and verse, let me see, I'm going to start in verse 3. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, On one occasion, Jesus was preaching to a crowd on the shore of Lake Galilee. A vast multitude of people was pushing to get close to Jesus to hear the word of God. He noticed two fishing boats at the water's edge, with the fishermen nearby rinsing their nets. Jesus climbed into the boat belonging to Simon Peter and said to him, Let me use your boat. Push it off just a short way from the shore so I can speak to the crowd. Verse 4, Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished, he said to Peter, Now row out into deep water. To cast your nets, and you will have a great catch. Luke 5, verse 5. Master, Peter replied, we've just come back from fishing all night and didn't catch anything. 
But if you insist, we'll go out again and let down our nets because of your word. And when they pulled up their nets, they were shocked to see a huge catch of fish and their nets were ready to burst. They waved to their business partners and the other boats for help. They ended up completely filling boats with fish until they began to sink. So you see here, Jesus is looking for his disciples to really expand their capacity. And we can do that in our life very simply if um, we look at the three things that Jesus did. Jesus, the first thing he did was get into their boat. And Michael, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've made decisions in life. Sometimes I've done things um, and I didn't allow Jesus in my boat. I tried to do it all on my own. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, in not putting Jesus in my boat, a lot of times I failed, and I didn't catch anything. I didn't do anything productive. Like the the fishermen toiled all night, and they couldn't catch anything. But then they let Jesus in their boat. So that was the first thing that they had to do, and that's the first thing that you and I as Christians have to do. We have to let Jesus in our boat. If we want to expand our capacity... If we want to expand our reach spiritually, if we want to expand what we can do in the kingdom of God, we first need to let Jesus in our boat. Right, because, I mean, works and all that are good, but if Jesus isn't there to back you up, you're doing it all in vain. Yeah. You know, the encouraging thing, Michael, is the second point that I wanted to make is Jesus isn't afraid to get in the boat with failures. Right. You look at the... What Peter said, he's like, Master, we have fished all night and caught nothing. Yet Jesus still wanted to get in their boat and be a part of what they were doing. And he wanted to expand their capacity and he wanted to do it with some failures. Mm -hmm. And so you got to really consider that even when you're a failure in life, God can do some amazing things in and through you if you just let him in your boat. So I've made a conscious effort and decided in my life that. Jesus is going to be not just the center, but he's going to be in my boat with all my decisions. Mm -hmm. And in making um, God decisions, I'm expecting him to completely expand my capacity over and over and over again. And so I know that I've failed in the past because I've tried to do it on my own. Right. And so I'm looking to have Jesus in my boat in my decisions and life decisions and ministry decisions and relationship decisions and financial decisions and every decision I make, I really want Jesus to be front and center in my boat so that my capacity and reach can be increased, not for me, but for the kingdom of God. I really want to be effective in the kingdom of God in doing what he has set me out to do. And I know I can't do that, if I don't have him in my boat, and I know I can't do that on my own because I've failed many times, and yet he has still decided, Michael, to use you, and he's decided to use me, even though we failed so many times. We've let him down. And what grace he has and what love he has for us that he is still willing to do some reconstruction within us to expand our capacity. And not just that, but the fact that he a lot of the times we'll use our weaknesses to bring what he has for someone else. Yeah. And At our weakest point, he will show someone else that we are strong. 
Well, he's going to use our tests that we fill as our testimony if we can um, overcome those trials, if we can let him get in our boat, and we if we can let him take control of our life. He can take those failures and he can make them into faith-building opportunities. Mm-hmm. And he can make them into, um, he can make our mess into a, mir- a miraculous thing that he does to bring himself glory and to bring people to him. That's really all we're trying to do is go out there and be fishers of men. And so let's look at the third thing. The third thing that they did was that they, they stopped acting like they knew it all. You know, first Peter said, you know what, master, we fished all night and we didn't catch anything. Because Jesus said, put out your boat into the deep. Well, first of all, back there in, in the Bible days, they did not fish in deep water. They fished in shallow water. And they didn't fish during the day. They fished at night. Mm-hmm. And Jesus knew mm-hmm. that if they could launch out into the deep waters of life and trust him, that he could increase their capacity and he could bless them beyond their wildest dreams. And so that's exactly what they did. They pushed out into the deep with faith. They quit acting like they knew everything. They did it Jesus' way, and they saw a great blessing. So much so that, Michael, they had to call out their other partners and their other business associates out there that were fishing and ask for help. Right. So I don't know about you, but I want God to do an amazing work in and through me in 2023 in such a way that my capacity is increased for the kingdom of God. And I can reach more people. I can love more people. I can be involved in more people's lives because of what God's doing in and through me. And it's it's all going to happen when I give up of my own agenda, my own ideas, my own will, and start doing it Jesus' way. Right. And so, I mean, you can boil this whole story down to three words. Surrender, faith, and action. You got to start with surrendering yourself. And then when God asks you to push out into the deep, it's going to take some faith to believe that he's got you. And then after that, you got to put his word into action. Because, I mean, if they would have just listened and said, this is a dumb idea. Let's just go back in instead of throwing all of instead of throwing their nets out like they were told to. They would have missed their blessing. They would have missed out on a lot of fish. Yeah. Yeah. And Michael, you know, uh, I know that God is is putting some things in your path and in real close and, and soon where um, you're going to be going to night school and working during the day so you can kind of increase your capacity financially um, and build a family. And I know that's going to take a leap of faith because you're going to work a lot of hours and you're going to go to school a lot of hours. You're not going to get to see your wife much and you're going to have to sacrifice a lot. But I do think that in the end, God will bless you for your sacrifice and it will bless your family in the long run. And sometimes that leap of faith um, doesn't always look like what we thought it was going to look like. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like this perfect picture that we thought it was going to be. And so a lot of times we run away from it. And right. like Peter, you know, he's like, launch out into the deep and go fishing again. What are you talking about? We've already done this. And that faith that he had just to do it anyway is what we need to have in every facet of life 
we just need to do what God asks us to do because if we do that and we have that complete surrender, like you said, and we have that faith, then God can give us a great blessing. And that great blessing is going to be to bring Him glory, not so we can be highlighted or uplifted, but so He can be lifted up on high. And really, we can put Him on display by what we're doing through the through His power for the kingdom of God. Right, because like you were saying with um, my schooling, um, after I graduated high school, I was blessed with the opportunity to go to welding school. And I took his blessing for granted. And I didn't take my classes seriously. I didn't take what I was doing seriously. And so um, I ended up dropping out because ran out of money and um, wasn't taking it seriously. So I was like, you know what? Let me just find a job and um, join the workforce. And so working a bunch of jobs that um, working long hours and um, barely skimming through. And so um, to have God open the door and basically give me a second chance. Amen. And so um, I know it's going to be hard, but this time I know what to expect. And um, it's going to take a lot of just putting my head down and going to the plow. Well, this time around, it's going to take more faith. You know, a lot of times, Michael, I think that what we're doing is we're trying to get um, a deep-sea fishing catch with a Snoopy fishing pole. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to go fishing with a Snoopy fishing pole, you're probably going to do it in a little creek or a little lake, and you're going to be looking for little fish. Yeah. But if you want to go deep-sea fishing, you have to have the right equipment to do that. And faith is like that. If you want to have this little faith, this little Snoopy-sized faith, you're going to catch little little fish. Your capacity is going to be very little. Mm-hmm. But if you have a lot of faith and you really trust God with your decisions, then he's going to take you out into the deep where you can't swim on your own, where you don't understand what's going on, and he's going to lead you to a great blessing. And we're not just talking about financially. We're talking about spiritually. We're talking about relationally. We're talking about God doing some amazing things in and through you because of your faith and increased capacity. So I want us to all think bigger this year in 2023. I know that we're three months into it, and I I really do believe that God still has the best ahead of us. We look, Michael, at revival breaking out all across this land. Mm -hmm. And I know that revival is born on the backs of prayer and really people studying God's word. And I just pray that people would look to increase their capacity for the kingdom of God by going back to simple spiritual disciplines so God can use them in a big, mighty way in 2023. Yeah. And I love the fact that all these revivals that are breaking out are the next generation. Yeah, and that's that's who's up to bat. I mean, if we look at this game of life as in a baseball perspective, the next generation is up to bat. You look at the Astros, and they really tried to build their team with young talent, mm-hmm. and it has worked for them. And the kingdom of God is wanna move is going to move through the young. And when they completely surrender... When they take that leap of faith, God can increase their capacity and we can see mighty things break out in the kingdom of God 
because of their surrender and obedience to God. Mm-hmm. And so with that, um, we have about five minutes left in our podcast. So um, we're just going to kind of have some final thoughts and then we'll close it with prayer. But if again, if y'all ever need someone to talk to, if y'all ever need someone to pray with you, hit us up on Facebook. Um, find one of us on Facebook and we are willing to talk to you. We're willing to pray with you. We're here. Um, because this fight's not a fight we're meant to fight alone. You know, Michael, you're so right. When they were in their boat, they weren't, Simon Peter wasn't in his boat by himself. Right. He had a bunch of buddies in there helping him out. And then they let Jesus in their boat. And if we want to be successful spiritually in life, and we want to grow close to the Lord, we can't go alone. We can't go at it alone at all. It takes nine baseball players to be successful on the baseball field, and it takes many people that are willing to follow and surrender to God to help each other in iron, sharpen iron, Mm -hmm. so we can become sharp tools used by the Master's hand. Yeah, because at the end, when they started catching all those fish, they had to call more people to come and help them. They did. So sometimes it's going to take you humbling yourself, admitting you need help, and then finding a brother or sister in Christ and kind of just laying it all out there and saying, hey, I need some help. So with that, let's let's close. So, Lord God, I just thank you for... Uh, your word, Lord God. Yes, and I just Lord. thank you for everything that you showed us today. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I pray that you would equip us with everything we're going to need, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that you would give us the faith to go out into the deep. Amen. And when we're out into the deep, Lord God, that we can trust in you, yes. that you will carry us. Lord God, I just pray that as we go and we throw out our nets, Lord God, that you would prepare us for the big catch Lord God that you would send us brothers and you would send us sisters that would help us be able to pull in all that fish yes Lord God I just thank you for everybody listening I ask that you would bless them and you would be with them in your name I pray amen, amen. so again we're on you um, Facebook at pitch towards holiness podcast and you could also find our main profiles uh, attached to that Facebook page. So again, if you ever need to contact one of us, please do. Feel free to. Check us out on Spotify. Check us out on Amazon. We're um, out there for you to listen to. We're going to get back to doing regular podcasts every week. And with that, this has been the Pitch Towards Holiness Podcast. I'm Mike Kidwell. And I'm Michael Kidwell. We will see you later. See you guys.